welcome on in. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter. I'm glad you guys could be with me here on this Thursday. Been a weird week for me. There's no doubt about that one. I did watch a lot of sports documentaries in the previous 24 hours. Do we bring back what's streaming? What's streaming for maybe one segment tonight? I don't know. I don't think we're going to have enough time. I got a busy Saturday. I got to go to Bed Bath & Beyond Home Depot. I don't know if there's enough time. But we'll have to squeeze in some thoughts I had on that. We got a ton to get to. And uh, obviously, I'm going to hit you right out of the gate with some Josh Dobbs conversations before we get into the, the true meat and potatoes of the show. Terry Pluto, our friend, going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. So you want to stay tuned. Terry Pluto, 8 o'clock right here on The Fan. I'm going to do this briefly. Josh Dobbs last preseason had a passer rating of 112. He had a passer rating last preseason that meant that during preseason football, he was better than what you typically see out of Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't want to confuse people with that. That doesn't mean he was Patrick Mahomes. That means during preseason games against backups and backups last year, he was really, really good. And then you fast forward and Dorian Thompson-Robinson is doing the same exact thing. I don't want us to make too much about preseason numbers. I don't want us to fall too in love with preseason numbers, and it's such an easy thing to do. We do it all the time. You know, it's very hard for us to find a, a guy that you see that matches up in the practices and is basically a, uh, a practice field All-American, one of those type guys, and then also goes out there, does it in the game, and you're like, well, I know what I'm watching, I know what I'm seeing. Watkins is a great example of this. Watkins, you, you can't find a person around Berea that can't stop salivating at the mouth about Watkins. It's like, all right, great. But let's be careful with what we fall in love with. What I love about this move, though, is that it felt like to me that Thompson Robinson, who went to school longer than Van Wilder did, will have more time to develop under Watson. He's a million years old. He went to UCLA for 75 years. How much more time can he need? Well, in this offense with what the Browns are trying to do, I think this is one of those rare win-wins. But let's look at this for what this really is. This is not about DTR. Everyone wants to make this about Dorian Thompson-Robinson and his success and everything he's done. This is not about him. And Josh Jobs last preseason did just as good and was awesome in the preseason. The same way DTR this preseason is also tearing it up. It's got nothing to do with that in my estimation. It's got everything to do with the fifth-round pick. Everything to do with the fifth-round pick. It's not a promotion for DTR because the Browns have an utter belief in DTR. Not in my estimation, at least. Although, and again, he might end up being all right. This is more about, and I'm going to get with some added questions on this in a second. It's more about the fact that a fifth-round pick in return, when you spent a fourth on Perry on Winfrey, when you spent a fourth on Cade York, when you get a fifth-round pick in return, this front office is telling you, we know what to do with these picks outside of the guys I've just mentioned. Jerome Ford's another one you can throw in there. We believe that we're good at picking in those rounds, and we believe that this is worth it for the Browns. It's all it's about. It's got nothing to do with DTR. It's got nothing to do, really, with Josh Dobbs. It's got everything to do with the fact that if Deshaun Watson is not your quarterback, you are up a creek without a paddle. So if any team wants to throw you anything more than a bag of footballs, you take that deal. Honestly, you want to debate DTR versus Josh Dobbs? Then wouldn't you be saying the Cardinals would have traded a fifth-round pick for Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Uh, really, I mean, realistically, if you thought Dor- if you thought DTR was that much better than Josh Dobbs, shouldn't this be flipped around? Shouldn't the Cardinals be offering the fifth-round pick for DTR? That's what you think would happen. Now, obviously, we just took him for a fifth-round pick. 
But that's it, it, this is it, it speaks to what I'm talking about. The Bengals got ridiculed for a fifth-round pick of Evan McPherson who got them into the Super Bowl, and the Browns just got one for a quarterback that they could easily uh, easily replace. McPherson takes the Bengals to the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, last year, seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant, takes the 49ers into the NFC title game. Like It, it, it happens. You can find some really good players in late rounds, especially in today's NFL, and I feel like the Browns believe, whether you believe it or not, they believe that fifth round and on, they know what they're doing. And hell, maybe next year the fifth round pick just gives them the clearance and the runway to draft someone to replace Cade York from a, a kicking standpoint, then so be it. You get the best kicker in sports, and what'd you do? You gave up Josh Dobbs for it. That's not bad in my estimation. Now, there's one part of this that I want to just, I need to figure out. And this feels like one of those scenarios that I'm never going to get the answer to. I'm just, I'm not going to be able to have that answer. It kind of sucks. I'm not going to get it. Wish I could. Recalling the waiver request of Kellen Mann is the suspicious part of this to me because uh, when you put him up, that tells me you were thinking one thing. Clearly, there was a breakdown somewhere. If I had to bet money, and I'd love to find out this answer, if I had to bet money, I would bet Browns put Kellen Mond on waivers. Cardinals see the waiver wire. Say, wait a second. Kellen Mond was a third-round pick. He really hasn't had an opportunity to play much in the NFL. Hasn't really been given an opportunity for somebody that was a third-round pick. I've called him in recent weeks. I basically said he's like Dustin Fox. Third-round pick out of the Vikings. Never got a true shake of it. Probably a much better NFL player than what his career says he is. And just had a bad shake of it. For whatever reason, it happens. You just get a bad shake of it. Probably looked at it and said, wait, Kellen Mond is on the waiver wire. What's going on in Cleveland? And it's mind-blowing to some of you guys because you're like, wait, how is it that I know what's going on here in Cleveland? How is it that you and me, we know every quarterback transaction that happens, but the the guys that actually are in charge of this, that do this for their day-to-day, they don't know what the hell is going on. I know, it's wild. Really is. It's wild sometimes. But I would bet Arizona, that poverty franchise that they are, and as poorly and, and as dysfunctionally run as they are, they looked at the waiver wire, said Kellen Mond is there. How can the Browns put up someone like Kellen Mond? And then they looked a little bit deeper, and they said, oh, well, DTR is absolutely tearing up the preseason. Maybe, just maybe, because we can't take uh, geriatric Colt McCoy and throw him out there. Maybe, just maybe, we can get someone like Josh Dobbs, and we can figure this whole thing out. And then they went forward, and they, they paid the price. And that price is a fifth-round pick, and then you move forward. But it takes the Browns then calling back Kellen Mond, which is fine. That's okay. That's fine. But it's the only way I could have seen this happening. The Browns did not intend for this to be their plan. Now it's their plan. And you know what? When it comes to backup quarterbacks, I'm more than fine with this being the route the Browns have to go or want to go. More than fine. And you guys should be too. Again, if we end up in a situation as much as highly as I think of DTR, we end up in a situation where Deshaun Watson is injured. As much as I'm going to speak about the ability of Kevin Stefanski, and I really truly do believe that he can turn water into wine when it comes to quarterbacks in a lot of different ways. And I've called him Kyle Shanahan light. 
And I believe that to be true. Now, I wonder what he would be if he had the defense that the 49ers had. You know, Stefanski's never had a top 10 defense in Cleveland. In fact, the Browns themselves haven't had a top 10 scoring defense since 2014. A little fun fact for you guys here on a Thursday. If you had the defense the 49ers had and some of the skill position players the 49ers had in his entire tenure, I wonder if I wouldn't be calling him Kyle Shanahan Light. But why I call him Kyle Shanahan Light is because I believe what Shanahan does great is the same thing that Stefanski can do at an extremely high level as well. Shanahan is able to turn Brock Purdy, a seventh rounder, Jimmy Garoppolo, a cast-off from New England. He's able to turn... The quarterback that has been forgotten, the quarterback that has been overlooked, into being a quarterback that he can win with. I think Kevin Savansky can do some of the same things. Last year is part of the reason why I think that. Obviously, everything that happened with Baker is part of those reasons. But really, Jacoby Brissett and taking him to an offense that was sixth in EPA, and I know I'm speaking Portuguese for you guys, so I'll clarify a little bit. EPA is just a, it's a catch-all stat for offense, okay? It's, it's the, the advanced analytical people's way of judging it better than me saying they were a top five passing defense throughout parts of last year, which they were, by the way, which they were. I think Kevin Stefanski has a unique ability. It's not one of one because Shanahan does it to the extreme, but I think he's in that same class where they can take any quarterback and make it look good. So if you can do that, the question would be why would he fail when it comes to someone like Deshaun Watson. Mary Kay Cabot was on earlier today, on with Anthony Lima. This is what she had to say about the offense and Stefanski moving forward. It's going to contain a lot more running by Deshaun. He'll be running RPOs and he'll have jurisdiction over, you know, whether or not to keep it, you know, to hand it off, to throw it, whatever he wants to do with it. So there will be a lot more of that. I think you'll see plenty more of no huddle and up-tempo things because he's able to run that sort of thing. I think you'll see Nick Chubb getting the ball out of the backfield more. I think you'll see some very creative situations with motion and shifting and things like that. And, you know, I think it will be fast-paced Again, up-tempo. I think you'll see plenty of downfield passing because he's got amazing arm talent. You know, unfortunately, they don't have Marquise Goodwin, and I don't know if they will have him this season or not because of the blood clots, but I still think that they have ways to stretch the field and go vertical and do what they want to do that way. They still have plenty of guys that have that kind of speed. And, you know, who knows? They might even look for more, but, you know, that's one thing that Jakeem Grant can even give you if he does play some on offense. No doubt. They're going to have a lot of different options, a lot of different ways of making this work where I want to lead with you guys, 216-474-0092. Can Stefanski bring out the best in Deshaun Watson? The question that Stefanski has to answer, and I think it should be pretty easy to answer, because if he's able to do it with everybody else, I don't know why he wouldn't be able to do it with what is the best version of quarterback that he's ever been given. Now, I said they're up a creek without a paddle if it's DTR and Watson's not in there, but I did have to stop myself. Because this is Stefanski's bread and butter. If you can get Jacoby Brissett to be great, and he was, now he had some untimely interceptions, some bad, some bad picks and moments and games you wouldn't want to have those interceptions. Uh, the Atlanta game coming to mind. Oh, that Atlanta pick in the fourth was just absolutely horrendous. A couple others that you're like, you turned around. The uh, Chargers game. Chargers game, you're like, whoa, dude, wrong, bad timing there. Eckler's going for 150 down our throats. Not that there's ever a good time to have a pick, but like he, he was very spotty with some of the worst times to have an interception. And you look around and you're like, hmm, Stefanski would be able to get the most out of some of these guys if it were to happen. So if I have the belief in that in Stefanski, 
then why is it when I'm going to give him the Lambo, I don't have belief? I got as much confidence as Kevin as anyone in Kevin Stefanski and what he's able to do, what he will be able to do with Deshaun Watson this year. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's the other parts of the team that I got to worry about, but I'm not worried about Stefanski bringing out the best in Watson. My little off on that one. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Terry Pluto joining us at eight. Your phone calls, your tweets, and more coming up next. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. But first, it is the Chevy Summer Drive at Classic Chevrolet in Menor. Shop Classic Chevy's high-quality inventory and special incentives like this great offer. You can lease a 2023 Chevy Equinox LT for $289 per month. It is Jonathan Peterlin here for Jeremy Hamilton and the entire team at Classic Chevy in Menor. Shop in person or at the Classic Flagship dealership, Route 615 in Menor, or view their entire inventory, new and certified pre-owned Chevys online. Simple. It's driveclassicchevy.com. That's driveclassicchevy.com. Wonderful people. Go check them out. Chevrolet by New Roads. 36-month lease, 10,000 miles per year. $29.95 cash or trade down, plus taxes and fees. Offer ends 8123. Okay. All right, that was that was too good. J-O-K, that was too good. I. That was too good. Jax, I replay it for me in my brain because I can't I can't figure it out. Did did they ask him to sing or did he volunteer to sing? I don't remember which way that went. So they asked him to sing. They like, did. Yeah, earlier in the segment, and then they had him sing. They had him sing their way out of the out of the interview. Okay, because they knew they knew that he could sing. Then that's good research by them because I had no idea JOK could sing. I well now listen I I mean he was good. He was hardly Sinatra, though. You know what I mean. He was, and Eric Church is more of like a, there's more of like a mumbling country twang to it involved. Anyway, it's basically, I, I always thought Eric Church was like Morgan Wallen before Morgan Wallen. They have that same type of vibe to themselves. Morgan Wallen's just the younger version and a little less twangy. That was my deep country music breakdown for you guys for the day. By the way, a little less twangy, little bit older. You know, a little bit raspier. What I like about, uh, what I like about Eric Church, a couple things. I do like him in general. I like anytime he comes to Cleveland, he always wears a Michael Stanley shirt. That I love about him. But also, he's just, he is. He, he kicks it old school a little bit. I I thought that was good. I don't know that that was good enough. I'm going to Simon Cowell this one. I don't know that that was good enough to be like, in my NFL profile, a hidden talent I have would be singing. But that was decent. That was that was very, very decent. Now it makes me want to have a conversation with JOK just so I can hear him sing all the greatest hits from Eric Church. Uh, could I have a JOK Eric Church greatest hits album? That I would listen to. Put that on my Spotify. We'll be all right. 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I am at JPuto. And Terry Pluto joining us at 8 o'clock. Right now we're talking about Kevin Spansky and everything around the quarterbacks because the idea that Stefanski could get Brissett to a level never seen before, but with Watson, he'll just vomit down his leg, doesn't make much sense to me. If I'm going to look at Stefanski like he's Shanahan light, maybe that would be turned upside on its head if he had half the talent that Shanahan has had, then I have to live with the idea that he can pull this off. I think for the next two weeks, I might just remind people how it was all the defense's fault. Hey, give me one of those sandwich boards. I can go out in the middle of public square, and I can just say it was not Stefanski's fault. Blame the defense. For the next two weeks, that is going to be my mantra, okay? Joe Woods cost us playoff wins, not the offense. Now, you want to say that was a reflection of Stefanski? I can buy into that. 
He chose to let that side of the ball run loose without a leash on. That's going to happen. It's like he had to watch over two puppies, and he treated the one like you should, and the other one he just let go wild, you know, run wild. You can't be surprised when the one puppy that you don't watch goes number 2-0 over your rug. It's going to happen. You don't watch the puppy, that's what happens. He didn't watch the defense. The defense went completely wild. They were very, very undisciplined. And evidenced by what happened with Jadavion Clowney at the end of the year, that locker room didn't have anything going on for itself. It's odd how much confidence, I find it odd, how much confidence I have in Stefanski as a scheme and a play-calling head coach. He's made some dumb, out-of-character mistakes that fans highlight. There's no doubt about that. Third and two, then the fourth and two call, there's been some dumb ones. But I believe he's good at that part of the job. If the test comes down to how he does with Watson, he's going to pass. 216474 to below 92 on Twitter. I'm at JPNON. Can Stefanski bring out the best in Deshaun Watson? Wayne going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Wayne. Jay, how you been, man? Hey, what's up, Wayne? How's it going? Nothing. No, all right. I'm all right, man. Good. But um, Good I have to um, I have to honestly agree with you, man. You're absolutely right about um, the defense. 85 percent of it was their fault. Mm-hmm. And um, far as DTR, uh, I got complete confidence in him of backing up Watson with no problem. And uh, most and um, and to, as far as Kevin of um, bringing out the best of Deshaun, he don't have to. Deshaun bring the best out of himself. So that's something I'm not really worried about, man. He, he's he's going to be okay, man. Oh, hey, that's all I got to say. All right, thank you, Wayne. I appreciate you. I did wonder about that with uh, Deshaun talking yesterday, right? Deshaun made all these comments about his offense and what he was going to do. But I know how this works. I'm, we've been around the block a time or two. I know how this works. When you guys want to have someone's head on a stake, you're going to put someone's head on a stake. You will not blame Deshaun Watson eight weeks in if it looks like Deshaun Watson's arm is healthy and he's all there mentally and he seems like he's 100%. You're going to blame Kevin Stefanski, even though Deshaun Watson said what he said yesterday. But I don't believe Deshaun Watson. I don't. I never have. And you guys know I support Deshaun Watson. You guys know I think the world of Deshaun Watson when it comes to his quarterback ability. I just, I, I don't believe, I stopped believing him when we started having those DeAndre Hopkins conversations. And what he was saying publicly did not match what I believe was happening privately. I just, like I had a conversation with uh, one of my bosses, Keith, today, and we were talking about that very subject, and I was telling him I'm laying out like what I was going to do tonight, laying out some of the the conversations I was going to have, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, Watson did say yesterday about what he was going, you know, about what his role was within this offense. I'm like, that's nice. That's nice that we treat Watson's word as gospel. I'm just, I can't do that. He's given me no reason to believe him at that point. Now, why would he lie about something like that? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe he likes Stefanski enough. He's trying to preemptively take some of the heat off of Kevin Stefanski. Could be. Could be the case. But I just, the the short time we've seen him be there and be here, I don't necessarily believe that his words publicly match what they are privately. So I keep those words at a distance. You'll notice. I'll play Deshaun Watson clips, but I won't play Deshaun Watson clips the way I'll play other people's clips. Because ultimately, I'll only play them at this point to showcase whether or not I believe or don't believe what he's saying and really what I don't believe he's saying. But I believe when it comes to Stefanski and Watson, Stefanski is the perfect man for this job. 
I do. If the test comes down to how he does with Watson, I think he's going to pass. And radio, you know, we have help all over the place, right? On this show, I have people that help. I have Jax over there running the board. I got Mackenzie doing updates. She's taking calls, and, and she's doing everything else behind the scenes as well. I got people that help me out to do this show. Now, you tell me to do a show with a bunch of people with a year of experience and then tell me to do a show with uh, a bunch of people that, I don't know, worked for Coward, worked for Rome. There's no disrespect to anybody on this show, obviously. But I'm saying, if you give people people to work with that have years of experience, that have 15, 20, 10 years of doing something or doing it already proven at an elite high level. That can only make you better. I think about the show we're putting together tonight. I got Jackson McKenzie both doing a great job tonight. We're, we're, we're killing it here, right? A plus is all the way around. Everyone's doing a great job. I don't know that we can go any higher if I had Colin Coward's producer on tonight's show. I don't know that we can, we can soar any higher than what we're currently doing tonight. But you know what? I doubt we'd go backwards. I'll tell you that much because that's what experience is. In any field, in any walk of life, that's what experience does. That's how that works. And and true talent is how that works as well, right? When it comes to Kevin Stefanski, dealing with Brissett and dealing with Baker, he's able to get a lot of those guys, a lot out of those guys. But with Deshaun Watson, tell me why he shouldn't be the best version of Kevin Stefanski we've ever seen. This should be it. There should be no backwards. There should be no uh, limitations there. 216474 to below 92. Jeffrey up next in the fan. Hello, Jeffrey. JP, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Jeffrey? Welcome back. Well, thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you. Here's the thing, JP. Mm-hmm. Defensky, he came to us as coach of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's first coach year. Coach of the year. Coach of the year is the equivalent to being most valuable player of the Super Bowl. Jeffrey, I can't, I can't, I can't hear you, man. Let me put you on hold. We'll try to see if we can get a better connection with you here. Jax, was that fair? Did it sound like he was underwater? It sounded like he was underwater, yeah. right? Yeah. He was, he was like, he was trying to like talk while having just a mouthful of water, and it, it, that was, it was like through a tin can. I don't know what that was. I liked what he was saying. At least I, what I, what I heard of it. Coach of the year, something like that. We'll try to get you back. Get McKenzie on there to, to get him back on the line there. Uh, let's go to Bo. Bo up next on the fan. Well, Bo. Yo, Bo. Hey. Bo, what's up, buddy? Oh, I was just going to say, I think um, that Dom's trade, they should have got more. More? Yeah. What, what do you want? What do you want more? What do you want as far as more, Bo? I'm, I'm Daniel, and I listen too. What do you say? I, I consider more as like, I, like I, we want some picks. We got some picks, Bo. We got some picks. Thank you for the call. That's a Cleveland fan and waiting if I've ever heard one. Got a fifth round pick. We basically fleeced Arizona here. I want more. All right, so your parents are raising your right. Always want more. Always demand more. It's never good enough. They could have they could have traded Josh Dobbs for a bag of footballs. That would have been like, not a bad trade. Not a bad trade. Not a bad trade by Andrew Barry. They got a fifth round pick. Fifth round pick was the same price. That uh, the Bengals drafted Evan McPherson, their star kicker, in the fifth round, right? Fifth round, all sorts of good talent. Brock Purdy was a seventh-round pick. All sorts of really good value from picks five to seven now these days. They get a fifth-round pick. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. 216-474-092. Mary Kay was talking again earlier today, and she mentioned 
about Stefanski and this offense within Deshaun Watson. Here it is. You have to prove that he is the right person, uh, you know, to oversee the whole operation, of course, but they firmly already believe that. And then in terms of Deshaun, uh, he has to demonstrate that he is the right person to bring out the best in Deshaun and maximize his abilities. It doesn't mean that he would lose his job if he's not that guy, but somebody has to be uh, Deshaun Watson's Andy Reid. Somebody's got to be that person. And if it's Kevin, that's great. They'll be very happy about that. If it's not him, then obviously Deshaun is their biggest investment right now, and they have to find a way to make sure uh, that that investment pays off for them. And so if it's not Kevin, it's got to be somebody else. But I, I do think, and, and somebody else doesn't necessarily mean the end of the job for him. It just means find somebody uh, that can do what you need uh, Deshaun to do. But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think the, the bar has to be set at the playoffs this year. It just has to be. There's no way you're going to go into Deshaun's uh, you know, first full season without that as your expectation. Not only is the expectation for them playoffs, but of course, everyone in, in Brownstown is thinking Super Bowl. I don't think, um, you know, that, that necessarily there's any kind of an ultimatum for anything like that. But certainly, I think that there will be enormous disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Enormous disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. I don't know that everyone's thinking Super Bowl. I think Mary Kay did put that right, but I, I, what's fascinating to me is if the test comes down to how he does with Watson, Stefanski that is, he's going to pass. If, if that's all we're using our test on, I tend to think the test goes deeper and the test should go deeper than how he does with Watson. My main take on this is that I'm not worried about Watson and Stefanski. I'm worried if I were to be worried Again, I'm the guy that has 11 wins for this Browns team. I think they're going to be really, really talented. The worry would come from what happens on the defensive side of the ball. The worry would come from, uh, can Njoku stay healthy for an entire season? What does Nick Chubb do in a reduced role? How does the receiver room shake out? Do you depend on a guy like a Watkins that we didn't even know was going to be on the team three months ago? What, what kind of roles Elijah Moore have? Uh, DPJ, what is he going to be? Amari Cooper. I mean, we can go on for days and days and days. He's got a lot of things to do with people and parts of this team that is not related to this Stefanski-Deshaun Watson combination. That part I'm not worried about in the slightest bit. Everyone's all antsy in their pants, and they're all worried about the, like, oh, what, what happens with Deshaun Watson? I'm really not worried about that. Stefanski will unquestionably bring out the very best in Deshaun Watson. And Stefanski... Something would have to be wrong upstairs in his in his noggin if he wasn't able to get the most out of Deshaun Watson. It just wouldn't compute. It doesn't make sense. When you're able to bring the best out of Baker, you got him to a playoff win and an 11-win season. You're able to get Jacoby Brissett to play the best football he's ever played in his career, the best he's ever played. You had that as a top-five offense at one point in the season last year. I don't see how he would fail with Deshaun Watson. That, that part of the game I'm not worried about. Now, you want to talk about a keeping up with the Joneses thing in the AFC? We can go down that road a little bit. You want to talk about the defense and where they need to be and where they weren't in the previous couple of years? We can talk about that until the cows come home. I think we pretty much have all summer long. But when it comes to Stefanski bringing out the best in Watson, that's a question I have for you guys tonight. I'm not really much. I'm not really worried about it much. Not not the same way I think other people are. 216474 to below 92 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Peterlin. Terry Pluto with more on this at 8 o'clock. 
Your phone calls, your reactions. Can Stefanski bring out the best in Watson? And am I just too calm about the Stefanski-Watson relationship? Have I hit a point where I'm just a little too all right with what I'm seeing so far? It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on The Fan. Back out of here on The Fan, we got Terry Pluto joining us. Cleveland.com coming up in about 20 minutes. Get the latest on the Browns. We'll ask, also ask Terry about what happened with Tito. Now, you notice we are really not going over the doubleheader today within the Guardians and the the two losses because I think you guys have waved the white flag on those discussions the way they waved the white flag on the season. Very warranted. But finding out the latest with Tito and what Terry Pluto is on earth is going to be worth your time and your effort. And so we'll do that for you guys. Coming up in about 20 minutes also, we'll touch a lot on the Brownies, though, as we've already done for the first 40 minutes of the show. Odyssey Rewind, if you want the uh, the instant little bit of reaction we had to the backup quarterback news and the changes over there in Berea. Dorian Thompson-Robinson in. Josh Dobbs traded to Arizona. One of those days. There's a lot we need to unpack from that, as we'll do throughout the show as we continue to move on. But right now I'm asking you guys about Stefanski and whether or not he can bring out the best in Deshaun Watson. And it's just a little befuddling to me as to how this is the conversation that we ended up on. Listen, I love these type of conversations. But I'm just, I'm looking at it like this is, this is a guarantee for me. And I might end up eating those words. I really, I might. But it, for me, I'm not worried about Watson and Stefanski. I'm worried about Stefanski with the other parts of this team. But I'm not worried about him with Deshaun Watson. When it comes to Deshaun Watson, this is the very best Stefanski's ever been given. Watson's a mystery to some. But I've got more confidence in that working than I do just about any other part of the team. Patience is going to be the order of the day. Let it play out. I'll be on the right side of this one. I really do believe that. I don't know which receiver will be the one that separates themselves. Bell, DPJ, Amari, Elijah Moore. I don't know what Njoku is going to bring to the table. Can he be healthy for an entire season? There's a lot of things I have questions for. There's no doubt about that. When it comes to Watson and Stefanski, I'm just not there with a bunch of questions. Chubb in a newish role, sure. I'm just not worried about Stefanski and Watson at this point. If he was going to suck, absolutely suck, fall flat on his face when we would see it, wouldn't we have had any sort of inkling of that already? Stefanski last year didn't unleash anything with Deshaun Watson. The game was set on easy mode in Madden, right? Nobody dialed up anything special. This year, he's going to be in his bag, and I would expect it to look good out of the gate. I don't think it's going to be a lazy river ride down until week six to see him take off. Out of the gate, I think he's going to he'll hit the Bengals right in the face, and we can keep everything going. Now, it doesn't mean Stefanski will end up on the right side of history within all, within all this. He has to showcase, at least to me, that he can do it all. Everything that comes with the gig is what he has to show me, from picking out uh, what color of Gatorade goes into the coolers to who gets a parking spot in Berea, all of it. When you're an offensive coordinator, you get to show up and just call the plays. It's pretty sweet. You're playing real-life Madden every week, and that's that. When you're the head coach, you're the CEO of the football team. Interviews daily, choosing indoors or outdoors for practices. Do you go to the Greenbrier or not? You do all the decision-making. You're in charge of 100 people plus. You know, the joke I used to have with Freddie Kitchens was that uh, people in charge of a 7-Eleven were in charge of more people than he had ever been in charge of when he got the job here. It's really, it's the same thing with Kevin Stefanski. When you have a first-time head coach, 
They're not used. They don't know what's going on. Now, this is not year one for Stefanski. This is year four. Can I give him some slack for the first three years of not truly understanding what he had to do from an offensive, defensive, and special team standpoint? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't think he's going to change a thing. I think he's just better materialized and better. he put himself in a better situation to combat what his problems were. What I mean by that is simple. I think he's still going to have the same relationship with the defense that he did last year, which is basically, I pretend you don't exist, and then we keep the thing moving forward, which is exactly why the defense and Joe Woods turned into, uh, you know, sideshow Bob stepping on the rake. Simple. It's easy. It's not hard. He ignored him. Ignored that side of the, the ball, in my estimation, and let it all play out. I think he's going to do a very similar thing this year, but I think Jim Schwartz knows what to expect. I think Jim Schwartz is better able to handle an entire defensive side of the ball without needing anyone to check in on him. Jim Schwartz has been a head coach. He's been in that situation. He knows what it takes in order to pull it all off. So I'm really, I'm just, I'm worried about more of the dotting I's crossing T's version of what Stefanski has to do more than I'm worried about him with Watson. And the more and more I unpack this, and the more and more we talk about it, and I ask you guys, 216-474-0092, can Stefanski bring out the best in Watson? I almost feel like I'm going down a little bit of a Looney Tunes route here, where I'm just, am I off my rocker in this one? Have I gone a little bit too confident in Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson, where I just don't see an avenue right now where either one of them are going to fall flat on their face? Defense withstanding, obviously. I mean, there is a scenario out there, and this is one that I, I put out there previously that does worry me. Does it keep me up at night? No. My six-month-old daughter keeps me up at night. I'm not worried about what Kevin Stefanski is doing at 3 in the morning, okay? But it does worry me, the idea about what happens if Deshaun Watson is as good as we thought Deshaun Watson could be, top 5, top 10, somewhere in that range. And the Browns aren't able to get the job done from a winning standpoint or a postseason standpoint because, spoiler alert, it's incredibly hard to win in the NFL. You ever gone through the list of quarterbacks that have one postseason win to their name? We'll talk about Lamar a little bit later on. Joke I have going with Lamar. He's got as many wins as our buddy Baker Mayfield does in his career. How many quarterbacks? Deshaun Watson's got one playoff win. We gave Deshaun Watson $230 million. Dude had never made it to the second round of the postseason. Like, that's that's how – this is incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard to win in the postseason and to win in the NFL. It's a handful of guys that are continuously able to do it right now. You got Mahomes, who's obviously been to five straight AFC title games, which is beyond baffling. Burrow over the past two years, Super Bowl, AFC title game, but that's only two years. Not like he's been doing it for 10. Really, there's not many guys out there that have stacked up a bunch of wins and a bunch of W's. It's incredibly hard. We've had incredibly good seasons. Incredibly good seasons from a lot of different players and the team not even make the postseason. Hell, let me bring up the Lions for a second. You know, I, I did this and it was a little unfair of me to do so, but sometimes I operate in things that are a little unfair. Okay, some sometimes, and listen, you want to call me up and you want to yell about it, go ahead and call me up and yell about it. That's all right. I'll be here till midnight, okay? You think it's unfair? I'll be here till midnight. I pulled up Jared Goff's numbers relative to Joe Burrow's numbers last year. 
And you're thinking to yourself, Jonathan, there is no way you can make any sort of comparison between the two. All right. I mean, that's fine. Again, I know that Joe Burrow in crunch time was much better than Jared Goff was, let's say, in crunch time. And I know you can't treat these things in a vacuum in a vacuum the way that a lot of people like to do. Joe Burrow and Jared Goff were statistically, when it comes to passer rating, which is a catch-all stat, within a point and a half of each other. They were within 40 passing yards of each other. Jared Goff had five fewer touchdowns and six fewer interceptions. Uh, excuse me, six fewer touchdowns and five fewer interceptions. They were as statistically close as two quarterbacks can be in the NFL. Joe Burrow makes the postseason, goes to the AFC title game. Jared Goff doesn't even make it to the postseason. Now, what was nice about this for Detroit is that Detroit fans didn't go Looney Tunes and go crazy and all, you know, loco on themselves and understand like, hey, well, hey, Lamar Jackson's out there. Let's go and pay him the bag. No, they pumped the brakes, as Kanye would say, and they took it slow. They, they drove slow. All right. Jared Goff may not be our quarterback for the next decade, but Jared Goff was really good. We have to accept that. Let's build on that and let's keep this thing moving. If Deshaun Watson has a Jared Goff-esque season, who was sixth in passing yards, basically he was a top five quarterback, top six quarterback, and, and basically any way you want to slice it and dice it up. He was very, very good. Eighth in passer or eighth in yards per game, ended up being seventh in passer rating. If he has a Jared Goff S season, and I know a lot of you guys haven't looked at Jared Goff that way, so this one's not going to hit you the right way, but just play with me for a second. He has a Jared Goff esque season. They don't make the postseason. I can't blame Stefanski on that one. And I can't blame Deshaun Watson on that one. Now he's in the NFC. And in the NFC, you have that type of year, you need to be making the postseason. But in the AFC, it is so incredibly hard to win. It is so incredibly hard to have success. It is so hard to do all of these things that there is a scenario out there where what I'm saying is come true. It comes true where Stefanski and Watson are awesome together. They look great. They seem like they're on the same page. They seem like they really like working with each other. Deshaun Watson puts up top 10 numbers, borderline top five numbers, and you still don't end up in the postseason. So I don't think the right question is, can Stefanski bring out the best in Watson? I don't think that's the pass, the, the test, excuse me, that he has to pass. I don't believe that's it. The test that he has to pass is figuring out how do I get every other part of this team to connect in a way that I wasn't able to do in the previous three years. It's never been the quarterback issue. It's never been the offense issue as a whole when it comes to Stefanski. It's about the other parts of the team that he turns a blind eye to that, and he just feels like it's going to work itself out. It's not going to work itself out. Nothing takes care of itself. But maybe he's learned off of the Joe Woods mistake. We can hope. I got a lot of faith in it. Again, I think this team is going to be really, really good. I really have my eyes set on a 11-win, a 12-win as high as you want to go, I really do think this Browns team is going to be really good. And part of it is because I don't have to worry about Watson and Stefanski in my mind. I will be shocked, shocked if it doesn't work out the way that I think it's going to work out. That doesn't mean we're Super Bowl, Super Browns, and we're talking about a deep postseason run, though. The AFC is so incredibly tough. 
There's a lot of obstacles we still got to, you know, take care of. But I'm not worried about Stefanski and Watson. Really, I'm not. 